Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Marvel is unveiling their first scripted podcast ever, and it's available exclusively on Stitcher Premium. In Wolverine, The Long Night, you'll be immersed in a murder investigation that explores a string of mysterious deaths in Burns, Alaska. The series stars Richard Armitage as Wolverine, who you might know as Thorin Oakenshield from the Hobbit trilogy, plus a special appearance from this guy, me, Chris Gethard. I'm in there. You have to listen Find out in what capacity. To listen now, go to wolverinepodcast.com. That's W-O-L-V-E-R-I-N-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Use the code MARVEL for a free month of Stitcher Premium. Hello to everybody telling secrets at Awake. It's beautiful, anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names. No holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Thanks for listening to Beautiful Anonymous. You may notice a weird tone right now in the, uh, in, uh, in the intro here. That is not the same room tone. We're not in the studio right now. We're at the offices for the Chris Gethard Show. We're actually in a... Uh, dressing room just off of the studio the show is coming back baby march 20th back on true tv switching to tuesday nights 11 p.m it's coming back just quick reminder right i've mentioned this on the show before the paywalls coming any episode older than uh six months it's going behind the paywall a few weeks from now so uh anything older than that that you want to keep and have on your hard drive download away don't say i didn't warn you you want to go get those oldies but goodies Go grab them. Keep them. Last week's episode was our uh, live episode at the uh, Bell House with the guy who uh, went from being a drug dealer to a, a, he claimed a brain surgeon. I'll tell you, this was a divisive episode. Got a lot of tweets about this episode. The beautiful anonymous Facebook community, which you should join, uh, uh, blew up. Blew up. I mean, a lot of people really did not love the uh, graphic descriptions of what happens to animals during lab testing, which I understand. A lot of people felt like the caller was a little flippant about that. Caller, though, let's let's everybody remember, the caller went vegan. The caller was profoundly affected by this to the point that the caller made a uh, profound lifestyle change. The caller actually showed up in the the beautiful anonymous Facebook community and offered up some explanations. You know, I think, I think the call, it's funny, the caller was reading some of these uh, emotional reactions and some of the criticisms and said, you know, I was nervous. There was a live crowd. So I was trying to sell it and perform a little bit. And uh, I was, I was as freaked out as anybody by the animals, all that stuff. You should go in that group, join that group. You read that response. It's really nice. I enjoyed the call. I enjoyed the drama that surrounded it because it was civil and it was kind. And that's what I love about the beautiful anonymous community. People disagreeing, people criticizing, people questioning, but almost always respectfully. Not so many comments that are like laced with curses and accusations. Good, kind people listen to this show. Thank you guys for being out there. This week's episode, I tell you, I planned a wedding once 
And it was a nightmare. My wife and I both agree. Planning a wedding. Anybody out there who's been married, I got to say, I know some friends of mine who have been like, oh no, planning my wedding was a breeze. I'm like, how'd you do it? And they're like, oh, we, we, uh, our parents helped us pay for everything and we got a wedding planner. It's like, well, that's easy. That's easy. You had it easy. Mine was a real stressful DIY affair. Caller, our caller today is about to get married. It tells us about all the stress of that. We reminisce, bounce off each other with those opinions, those experiences. And I tell you, I, uh, mine was a, a nightmare and I didn't have anything close to the family drama uh, that the caller had. Fills us in on a lot of stuff about her dad revelations along the way think you're going to enjoy it it's like a nice laid back one with uh some some drama dropped in and at the end of the call listen stay tuned you're gonna have the outro you're gonna have all the music the stuff you're used to a lot of you guys are accustomed to turning off the show don't do it because it's our two-year anniversary two years of this show i feel very lucky and our old friend ron paul's baby from the first episode we had a follow-up call a year ago we're not doing a full follow-up call this year because we had a uh, mini call live at the bell house in brooklyn one of the weeks uh we with the third week there ron paul's baby we actually called in checked in with him live in front of a crowd it's about maybe what five to ten minutes jared and uh yeah, probably like 10 to 15, actually, maybe. But you get this little mini call with Ron Paul's baby. It is well worth listening to. Ron Paul's baby was so funny that night. So hilarious. Worked that crowd. And uh, such a good time. Such a such a great thing to hear from our old pal. So a, a lot of the people found the show when uh, Ron Paul's baby was featured on This American Life. You want to hear how our old friend's doing? Stay tuned after the episode. Long intro today. Sorry about that. Some people don't like them, but a lot of info to share. Anyway, let's get to the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello, this is... And I just said my name. You're not supposed to do that. Again. I did it to the producers. Is this Chris? It is. Now we got to bleep... Gotta bleep something in the first line. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'm a failure. Yeah, so am I in my heart. <sighs> we can be pals, though. We can be failures together. I'd like to think we're pals. Oh, that's so nice. I think we're pals because I listen to you all the time, and um, that's probably a little bit creepy for you that people think that. It's nice. It's it's nice. Sometimes it's uh. A little intense. Sometimes I'll meet people in person and they'll start telling me things as if we are, um, you know, longtime tried and true friends. And I try to remember that that's uh, an honor. Although sometimes I'm hearing things that social norms would dictate I shouldn't hear. (laughs) I can understand that. How are you doing today? I'm good. It's very early in the morning. I'm, uh, I'm getting things going and I'm glad this is the way we're starting. But, you know, I ate a kind bar, uh, no, an RX bar. I ate an RX bar, <laughs> and I took my vitamins. I'm feeling good. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah, they put the ingredients right on the front. RX bar. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. How are you? I'm good. It's an, it's an interesting week. How's that? I'm getting married this weekend. Oh, congrats. Thanks. And then I'm getting my gallbladder out right after that, a few days after that. It's very exciting. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> it's fine. It's very funny. We keep saying the memories. So were you planning a honeymoon right after the wedding? You had to delay? 
or no? No, we were, I mean, you know, the, the hated word staycation is what we were planning. So it'll be like that, only mm-hmm. um, maybe a little less sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah. Now, wait, what's... And it's a second marriage. We both have kids. So we can't just, like, leave in the middle of the school year. Oh, that's very pragmatic. That makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say a February yeah. wedding, huh? February wedding. Yeah, that's what you do when you are, A, trying to save money. Mm-hmm. And B, trying to save money. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. A February wedding in a not tropical climate on the East Coast. So, an in, it's an indoor affair. It's an indoor affair. It's a Sunday brunch because waffles and oysters. Those don't always mix. Oh, I think they mix. I think it's brunch. Really? I've never, I tell you. I'm very excited. I'm a New Yorker and people are brunch obsessed. Never been totally sold on brunch. I'm not trying to make you overthink your wedding, but yeah, I've never been totally sold on brunch. (laughs) It's too late anyway. Um, Yeah, so here's the deal. I like dinner food for breakfast. And I like so, bre- I do like breakfast food for dinner. I won't, I, it, to me, it's more the timing. It's yeah, more it, to me. Yeah. It's, it's more uh, you're eating a lunch. You're eating a meal at a weird time that throws off the rest of my clock for the rest of the day. Oh, I can see that. So I guess it's probably good for Sundays when it's kind of timeless and you're just kind of lounging around anyway, and you eventually get out to breakfast. But some people want to eat lunch. That's you know. And I do understand. I do understand the roots of the word brunch. Practical meal. I also think that <laughs> as someone who doesn't drink, I, I do think it's a good excuse to have a mimosa or a Bloody Mary to kick things, take the day off. I get that. That's not my bag. Our, our Bloody Marys are going to be pretty rocking, Chris, i got to tell you. Now how can you make that guarantee? They're going to have a crab claw and a shrimp. Ooh. I know. Now you're talking my language. Yeah. So the Bloody Mary itself serves as a sort of uh, base for uh, something of a traditional seafood cocktail. Yes. It's going to be pretty great. I'm excited. Classy move. My fiancé says I'm most excited about oysters. Like oysters first, then marriage. Wow. So second marriage for both of you. How many kids do you each have? We each have two. Mm Mm-hmm. His are teenagers, and mine are in elementary school. They're twins. Twins. So this is something of a real-life yeah. Brady Bunch situation. It is indeed. Wow. Yeah. And we're lucky because the kids are all great and get along. Well, they get along best with um, the ones who aren't their, you know, blood siblings. Oh, that's funny. The twins are still young enough that they bicker all the time. Are they identical twins? No, they're not. It's a boy and a girl. Oh, a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. Well, bickering is to be expected. Yes. Amongst I feel like I'm the ones. most boring caller so far. Oh, Listen, no, not at all. You- not at all. <laughs> not at all. I can think of at least 10 off the top of my head that have been more boring than this. 100%. I'm sure I didn't listen to those. No, um, you didn't because we haven't released them. We haven't released them. Oh, right, great. Oh, but yeah. Um, so, my oh, now I feel bad. Hold on. Anyone who's listening who called through who hasn't been released, <laughs> I promise you were probably just waiting to release it. I'm just kidding. There have not been dozens of boring ones. <laughs> so, I mean, one or two. One or two. 
he just feels guilty. He's not going to release them. Yeah, that's okay. It's all right. Some things hit the cutting room floor. It's the hard truth of this entertainment biz. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, so yeah, so my friend sent me a uh, Facebook message yesterday and he's like, are you ready for a new Facebook obsession? I'm like, yeah, I'm totally ready for or a new um, podcast obsession. And I was like, yeah, I'm totally ready for a new podcast obsession always. And he's like, you might've already um, listened to it because it's like, you know, 90 some episodes in. And I was like, oh what is it? And he was like, it's beautiful anonymous. And I was like, that's my favorite podcast. Oh, awesome. So it's very exciting. Yeah. So it's kind of strange that I made it through today. I've never even got past the busy signal. Look at that. And here we are. What would you like to talk about today, Chris? Would you like to talk about my Brady Bunch situation? Or would you like to talk about Family history? Would you like to talk about politics? Or would you like talking about politics with guests? Hmm. Sometimes that leads to big time fights. Yeah, I bet. What are your plans? Politi- I don't want to talk about politics. Oh, you don't. You brought it up, but you were lying. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm totally progressive. I'm sure we would have a great conversation, but I'm sure you would lose some listeners. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, let me think about it. Okay, so I have some bullet point questions first. Uh, one. Okay. What is it that causes a gallbladder to need to be removed? Oh, this is so good. Are you ready? I have sludge mm-hmm. in my gallbladder. Oh. That's a medical term. Oh, come on. <laughs> no. It's on the report. It's, it's 9.49 a.m. where I am. What are you doing to me? It's 9.49 a.m. here, too. It's sludge. In your, you got sludge. What is sludge? What is sludge composed of? So what they said is that it's sort of like stones that haven't fully formed yet so they're all like mini things in there i don't know it's gross it's on the report though my doctor apologized he was like i'm i'm sorry it's a medical term but you have sludge <laughs> and what you feel pain do you feel stomach pain is that yeah it's like kind of like under your right rib it's sore it's not really having any attacks right now because if you don't eat any fat it, it's not going to act up too much so it's like tender to the touch right now but doesn't really Pardon me. It's um, but it's funny because I have Crohn's disease, and you had another guest with Crohn's disease. I remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think I might have ignored the pain for a while, just thinking it was normal, mm-hmm. normal for me. So, yeah. And does this count as a major surgery? Is this a major surgery? No, I think it's going to be laparoscopic. What's that mean? Be out the same day. Oh, you get to go home that day. Yeah, but That's the timing nice. is funny. Yeah, it is. So, how long you been with this guy? This guy, four years. Four years. And how long four were you with years. your ex? Fifteen years. Matt. I started dating him when I was 19. Wow. And you were dating all, all some total together that long or married for 15 years? We were married for eight. We were together for seven before that. And what happened? You just got together Maybe too young? Maybe that should have been my clue. <laughs> <laughs> you uh you married too young, you realized that it wasn't it wasn't a lifelong match? Or was there oh, more to it than that? There was more to it than that. Uh-oh. Yeah. There's more to it than that. Bad dude. Yeah, he's just he's 
I don't know if he had a mental breakdown or if he he has a um, personality disorder that's uh, really difficult to handle. Yeah. Yeah. That's very tough. Yeah. I would imagine that it's can, tough. That can hit a point where you need to take some distance for you and the kids, I'm sure. Indeed. Yeah. So. Are you still in touch? Yeah, I don't want to like. Yeah, I mean, we have kids and, you know, he yeah. gets them every other weekend and. So he's still trying. Does the best he can, I guess. Okay. Yeah, he does the best he can. Well, this all sounds very diplomatic. Yeah, I'm being very diplomatic. Yes, yes. I might, you know, yeah, because I'm on the phone with Chris Gethard. On the phone with my girlfriends, I'd be like, oh, my God, did you listen Listen to what he just did? He's so ridiculous. So you talk shit. You talk shit if this you, is, you feel like you have to be a little more prim and proper. Yeah, I mean, you know, and if anybody listened to this and said, oh, I recognize her voice. I know exactly who that is. Yeah. And it would seem like I was trashing him. And Yeah. You know. I'm not looking Maybe for you to trash anybody. Maybe one day it'll be archived and my kids will hear it. Yeah, you know, the twins. Now, I'm not looking for you to trash anybody, but I just want to put it on record that I'm always down for a gab fest. I want that on record. Oh, I've got lots of, like, I've got lots of juicy stuff. Okay. We can talk about some juicy stuff. What's the juicy stuff? Oh, there's so much. Okay, so... All right, so my dad is my stepdad who adopted me, but he's always been my dad, right? He's the guy who took care of me when I was sick and watched movies with me, and mm-hmm. um, he's my dad. He's my, taught me to ride a bike. You know, he's my dad, dad. Yes. Every, every, my biological dad. Okay, yes. What? No, I was going to say he's everything but biological, but he is your dad. Yeah, like he's going to meet me. I'm going to go see the surgeon today before surgery, and he's going to meet me there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's my dad. Yeah. But my mom, my mom actually was married twice before. Her first husband died um, when they were very young, tragically. Um, and then her second husband was my father, my biological father, um, and he left before I turned two. So I didn't really remember having him around, but he was in my life, and I would see him, you know, every other weekend or so growing up. Mm-hmm. And she kept me close to his family because he was not super involved. So I would, like, go to my grandparents' house every day after school. And I think my grandmother, you know, was really on top of making sure that he got me when he was supposed to um, because they really cared about my mom and me. Um, And they died um, about nine days apart when I was 10. And then after that, he kind of dropped off. Like, I didn't hear from him. And, like, through middle school, it was kind of difficult trying to get, like, trying to get him to talk to me and, like, tell him, like, hey, why don't we talk anymore? Even before that, it was awkward. But um, we didn't have, like, a a bond. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He was always very distant. And he'd done some awful things to my family, like his parents and. That's not good. You know, the way that he treated them over the years. And, you know, besides the stuff he did to my mom, which was just awful. He was just nasty and mean and just awful. Anyway, so I didn't see him for years and years. You still there, Chris? I am. Excellent. So I didn't see him for years and years. And then I saw him at a cousin's wedding when I was in my 20s before I got married the first time. And he wanted to dance and then was, like, trying to ask me about my life. And I was just like... He's just, he and my ex have this thing in common where they like, um, they're kind of showy. 
you know, like, but just not authentic at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I made it pretty clear. I didn't want to talk to him and I didn't want to deal with him because he was obnoxious. <laughs> anyway, about in 2014, December of 2014, just before my divorce was finalized, I got a letter from him in the mail and he said that his life was full of regrets, lies, and he'd made all these mistakes in his life. And um, at this point, he'd been married like 30 years, and he had decided he was coming out as a gay man in his 60s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, how did you take like, what that? What do you do with that? How would you take that? Yeah. My mind was blown. I mean, first of all, because I was just like, what? After all these years, you're contacting me? And he'd, you know, also mailed, he'd also sent letters to his siblings. And I reached out to them like, hey, did you get a letter? Because I'm still, you know, I'm still close to them. Mm-hmm. And he's not. It's a weird situation. Anyway, so I basically wrote him back a letter that just said, you know, first of all, congratulations on coming out. You know, it takes a lot of bravery. I know that's difficult. Um, And um, also, you know, you made, you did make mistakes. You're right. You made a lot of mistakes and you treated people poorly. Um, And I said, you know, it's a real shame that you didn't do this before because as, you know, a bisexual theater major in college, I'm sure that I would have benefited from an LGBTQ parent and think of all the annual viewings of the birdcage we could have done. You wrote that in the letter? Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I'm a writer, so there's that. (laughs) (laughs) The birdcage, wow. Now, right? do, you, do you think the fact that he was closeted, maybe, do you attribute some of his, uh, why he was like pushing people away or disconnecting? Do you feel like that maybe sure. was rooted in, in his struggles or discomfort with, with embracing who he was? I'm sure that's part of it. But at the same time, being in the closet is not an excuse for abusing people. Right. The Kevin, the Kevin Spacey as it's called. You can't... Yes. Coming out of the closet doesn't excuse bad behavior. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you kind of... you. It sounds like you uh, held your head up high and and both congratulated and said you understood and embraced it, but also said it doesn't let you off the hook for just kind of being a shitty dad. And, And yeah, and a shitty person to his family in general. And I also did something that was not entirely ethical, but, um, I, when I first got the letter, I was like, shit, is this a suicide note? So I was like, I don't want that on my hands. So I started calling mental health facilities in the state where the letter had come from and no one had talked to him. Anyway, I found a phone number for him and called and left a message and he called back and I set up a time to talk to him. Um, and at that point, when I talked to him, I know I knew that he wanted to talk to me about who I was and what my kids were like. But really, all I wanted to know was some stuff about my grandfather's um, World War II 
um, service. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I definitely entered into that conversation wanting to get something out of it wow. for myself. You were just looking for a little family history about World War II. Yeah. Well, my grandfather was at Normandy. Wow. My grandfathers were. That's cool. Yeah. Now, yeah. has this led to any sense of reconnection with your dad? Has it allowed him to, to maybe apologize or show some humility? Or was it just kind of a, a, major, a major blip on the radar, but a blip nonetheless in your fractured I relationship? I think it was a blip. Wow. I mean, I told him if he wanted to talk again that he would, he would need to apologize to my mom. He'd mm-hmm. already apologized to his siblings or I would have included that. Um, he said, wow, that's a lot. And then never did. So that was the end of that. Boundaries, Chris, boundaries. It's a lot of therapy that gets you to boundaries. Yeah, for sure. I know. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it does also sound like, like, uh, you know, you had some lines in the sand and, and he's pick maybe picking and choosing, you know, how upfront he wants to be with different people. And I can see how that's a big, how that's a deal breaker for you. I can see that. Yeah. How, how much of a surprise was it when he came out? Um, I think I was more surprised, honestly, not that he was gay, but that he had done some self-reflection and did humble himself enough to write a letter. That surprised me. So the actual sexuality of it, you were like, oh, yeah, I could see that. But the fact that you're being open... And honest, that's blowing my mind. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. And I really liked my stepmother. Like, I actually missed her. Yeah. Because um, I'd spent so much time with her as a kid when he was very disconnected. And she was very sweet. She was always kind to me. Um, and so I was really glad that I got to talk to her on the phone. So that gave me the closure that I needed with her, which was nice. So I hope she's doing well. I'm going to go ahead and say, you said you had some juicy family history. You weren't lying. Let's go ahead and take a break there and say, I love it. I love it when a caller calls their shot and then follows through with the big swing. Oh, yeah, that was some juicy family history, as promised. All right, I'm sure there's going to be more juicy family history. But before we get to it, got some ads coming up. Check these things out. Use the promo codes if you like them. It helps the show when you do. We'll be right back. I've been sleeping on some new bedding, and I'm a happy man. Brooklinen.com. You spend a third of your life in your sheets, okay? They make a difference in how you sleep. You're going to want the best sheets if you want the best sleep. Brooklinen.com. The best, most comfortable sheets. No big markup. Get your nightly routine better. Feel more well-rested. Simple. Founded in April 2014 by Vicky and Rich Fulap, husband and wife, family business. They had a philosophy, okay? They wanted, they wanted beautiful, comfortable home essentials, no crazy prices. I don't know if you guys know this. Most betting is marked up about 300%. They can go up to 300%. That's nuts. Brooklinen doesn't do that to you. They're the fastest growing betting brand in the world. Over 15,000 five-star reviews. Brooklinen Sheets named the winner of the best of online betting category by Good Housekeeping. You got to try these sheets today. I sleep on them. And I like them myself. My Brooklinen sheets are the best, most comfortable sheets I've ever slept on. That's no exaggeration. Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for beautiful anonymous listeners. Get $20 off 
and free shipping when you use the promo code BEAUTIFUL at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. The only way to get 20 bucks off and free shipping is to use the promo code BEAUTIFUL at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code BEAUTIFUL. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever. Hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way than that, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. Its invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter's how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. You go to ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R dot com slash beautiful. ZipRecruiter the smartest way to hire. Thanks again to our advertisers who helped me bring this show to the world for free. Now let's go ahead and uh, get back to the phone call. I'm going to go ahead and say, you said you had some juicy family history. You weren't lying. I wasn't lying. It's funny, like, family history stuff I find so interesting. So, you know, nobody ever wants to hear about your dreams or your genealogical research, but Every time I find something about an ancestor, even a recent ancestor that I'd never heard, I'm like, "What? How did this never? How did this never come out?" <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I know that you know, feeling. Like, As a, crazy, right? Well, being Irish Catholic means that there are many stories hidden. Me too. Yeah, so you know, you don't you, things. That, you, tell me if this is your experience. <laughs> I feel like there's an Irish Catholic tradition, which is people live lives that are pretty. Plain and small and noble in 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 that, and then they die, and at the wake everybody's kind of sad for the first hour or so, and then people start joking, and then people start drinking, and then by the end of the wake, you know like three mind blowing things about this person that yeah. are completely <laughs> fucked up and out of character <laughs> that you never would have predicted that are I mean bizarre doesn't begin to describe. And clearly they're just suppressed and hidden until death, at which point they're mumbled about, <laughs> laughed about, and celebrated. Did you say that's true? I, I think that's pretty accurate. That's, it sure as hell is going to happen to me, Chris, my poor kids. Oh, my. I learned some things about my grandmother upon her death. My grandmother was the sweetest little old Irish lady you ever met. She passed away. Turned out she had lived quite a life, quite a life. She was a nut. Yeah, she was a something n- good. Well, she was a nun at one point and then left. What? Yeah, we learned that. And even, how did you not know that? I, not even all her kids knew it. I don't. I forget how my mom knew it. Uh, I think maybe only my mom's older sister knew it. But then they had her rosary beads. I guess she had some rosary beads that were very clearly special and issued by a convent of some sort. So there was proof she was buried with these rosary beads. What else? Found out. Uh, all sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff that I'm not certain my family would be comfortable with me sharing, but who cares? We learned out. I learned 
that she uh, was apparently friends with Eleanor Roosevelt. That Eleanor Roosevelt. That apparently my grand. Yes, apparently my grandmother during the depression was. Uh, she was uh, living in Brooklyn, and and as a child, uh, I guess a lot of city kids were sent upstate to camps where they learned home skills. And Eleanor Roosevelt had a personal stake in running her camp, and uh, met her as a teen, and and befriended her, and would check in with her from time to time throughout her life. That was mind blowing. That's so cool. And there were a couple others. There was what were the other ones? There was uh, the big one, very Irish Catholic story. Is apparently that her own grandparents held her as a servant against her will for a number of years early in her life. What? Yes. And then her uncle stepped in and said, this is insane, and basically freed her from having to be what sounds like a, an enslavement. Who knew? Wow. Who knew? Learned all that when she was passed away. I love my nan and made me love her even more because I never knew about any of that. So here's the thing. Okay, so was she the okay? What's the timeline here? When was she the nun? Like, was that before I don't, your I don't her know. parents were holding her against her will? You, don't you know, know, she was. I'm she just apparently wondering, she was, like how sorted it was. Like, did your grandfather steal her away? No, it, she she was a she child. I think she was. I think she was four years old when her grandparents were like, "Hey, so she's going to live with us and do the cooking and cleaning." And the rest of her family was like, "Wait, why?" And then it just happened. But I, it was actually very sad. So my grandmother. Um, Never, she would give me cards for my birthday. She never knew how to spell my name. She would always spell my name incorrectly. And this was always something. I mean, Chris is not a hard name for somebody who's ever spelled it, right? I mean, like that's. It is a very Catholic traditional name, I think, right? Very Catholic, the word yeah. Christ is the yeah, first syllable of, so. of there. But I, I always. I you always, would think she could spell Christ. Yes, but I always attributed it to my grandmother moved to this country when she was extremely young. Um, she was an immigrant. Maybe her schooling wasn't great. But then it was later revealed to me that she didn't have schooling because during this stretch she was not Aww. allowed to go to school. So it was actually a very sad thing Aww. and a sweet thing. And now I've been mean to Nana. Well, you kind of t- you, you did kind of shit on my grandma a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love grandmas. I love old people in general. Yeah, me too. I love, I love a good grandma. Who knows? Yeah. You said your kids are going to find some things out at your funeral. What are we talking here? Oh, you know, nothing I want to tell you, Chris. Damn. I mean, shut it maybe down. Maybe when we're not on the phone anymore. Shut it Shut it um, down. Well, then I couldn't tell you. So that sort of defeats the purpose. Um, I don't know. Just, I'm sure they'll find out about, you know, just like we do with our parents, um, you know, other relationships and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I did know... I don't have anything too crazy. Well, you did You did drop in very slick fashion that you're bisexual as well. Yeah. Yeah. How's that? Um, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, what is it like to not be? I don't know. You know, here's the thing. I'm not attracted to very many people. In general, mm-hmm. like it, like I need, it has to be like a really strong connection. For example, I don't have real celebrity crushes the way some people do. Like I can't, like I would never go to see like Magic Mike or whatever that stuff was because that doesn't do it for me. Like I actually have to have a conversation with a person before I feel the <laughs> connection. Does it make sense? It does, although I have to say, 
Magic, magic Mike is a confusing cultural touchstone to explain your <laughs> entire sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't go to see, like, a movie because it has, like, a bunch of attractive people there. Like, objectification is something that's part of my sexuality. Right. Like, I'm not hugely visual. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, I get it's really it. a person thing. And probably it would be better described as pansexual, but... Um, does anybody really use that in the real world? Use that term? Well, I guess they do. Probably in New York where you live. Well, let me just for the sake of our our listeners and myself, I understand that these are things that are often viewed as related to each other. But maybe you can explain the differences just for anybody who might be curious. Oh gosh, well, I don't know that I'm like the right person to be that spokesperson. Yeah, um, no, I'm not. So asked. I don't want you. To be, yeah, we're on the same understanding. Page. Um, in the way that I would define it for myself. As bisexual, as you're saying here, attracted to both men and women. Um, and pansexual, you are attracted to um, people who identify with all sorts of genders. Right. That makes sense, yeah. Right, that you kind of don't see the spectrum in the way traditional people might. Would that be fair to say? That it's not really a concern yeah, I think or... That- or a, yeah, uh, I think that's okay. accurate. Yeah. Okay. And it, are you open with, so, you had mentioned your father was, you know, that, that might have helped your father. If your father had been open with you, it would have helped. Are you open with your family about this side of yourself? Um, they are not that open to hearing it. I mean, like my younger family members, no. I mean, that's like, it's no big deal. Um, but I never had a really serious girlfriend. So, because mm-hmm. um, again, I got together with my ex-husband when I was 19. Um, so I had girlfriends, but they were never like serious enough to take home to mom and dad. And I've told my, my mom before, but um, she hasn't really reacted at all. So I don't even know, like, I don't think she cares. Like, I don't think either my parents would be like upset or shocked. It's just, um, I think my dad might actually know. I might've told him they don't care. They're very <laughs> open-minded. Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's sort of like the bisexual privilege, right? It's like, you know, I don't have to come out, but. Well, I've um, read, I've read a lot that I've read that the, the B in LGBT often, uh, they often, there's a lot of maybe resentment or anger towards bisexuals yeah. from what I've read amongst the community, because for a few things, I feel like there's. First of all, there's that stigma of, like, you can kind of pick and choose how much of a part of a struggle you yeah. want to be. And and that's a thing that's held against the bisexual community. And then I've also heard that there's they're kind of viewed as uh, stereotyped maybe as people who just uh, don't want to settle down or, or, or people who you can't trust the commitment yeah. from. I know that that's another very oh, popular yeah. stereotype that drives people nuts. Oh yeah, like you know, you're you're not monogamous or whatever. And then there's um I had one girlfriend who was just like you're either a lesbian or you're not. So that clearly didn't last long. Yeah. Um so you were like, so I was like, well, no, nah. actually. <laughs> you're like, oh no. And then yeah, and then another one who used to complain about straight girls all the time and always lumped bisexual girls in, straight, in with straight girls. And I was like, well, then don't 
date bisexual girls if you don't like them. So that one also didn't last long. You see how this didn't go well. I was not choosing good women, but... Been there. <laughs> yeah, right. right. I think I did. I think I did a good job this time. This one's pretty good. This guy. This is a guy. Right. Right. But, did you date women between your two marriages? Um. So, in the end of my, toward the end of my marriage, my um, ex-husband was unfaithful. A lot. Uh, that sucks. Um, in a couple of different ways. So we tried polyamory, which is totally a disaster. It will not save your marriage. I think if you go into a relationship as polyamorous, it's probably easier. Right. But, yeah, so um, I dated a little bit during that. Um, but it just, everything just felt awful. The marriage, the other relationships. It was awful. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I got out of it, I will say, is that his other is now a very close friend of mine, and she's wonderful, and I'm so glad she's in my life. And I almost forgot to say that because sometimes I forget how we met. Wow. You've got a surprising number of very layered relationships in your life, huh? <laughs> I know. I know, and this is not what I wanted to talk about, Chris. It's not. Well, hey, welcome to the Chris Gethard experience. You come in with the bullet points. I say, tear them up, throw them in the trash, baby, because we're going to go where the winds take us, all right? We, uh, we tell the lighthouse, turn off the light. This ship is sailing in the dark, baby. <clears throat> anyway. But it is, so, you have no, a number of people in your life who you have met and have warm relationships with, do, despite the fact that you have met them via other relationships that were toxic. Yes. Not many people have I that. I really love my friends. I love my friends so much. I'm so, I like, if you knew my friends, you would know how lucky I am. Like, I have the best people around me. They're just wonderful. I get that. I'm really lucky to have them. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I do understand what you're saying. Because we've talked to some polyamorous people on the um, podcast before. And we yeah, and they were like, this is how it really is. I think it's just any other, just like any other relationship, every single one is different. Of course. But I do feel like what you're saying is something that I've, I've read frequently, which is that um, trying to use it, trying to use what is a lifestyle commitment as a Band-Aid to fix a pre-existing thing is a recipe for disaster very often. Yes, indeed. And often, I think, as in my case, it was already a disaster. It was already going to be, um, it was already on its way to the end. It probably should have ended years before. Here yeah. comes my fiance, like tiptoeing into the kitchen to get a granola bar. <laughs> Tell him I said, what up? And congratulations. Chris says, what up? And congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. that's cool. He doesn't talk much. That's why I love him. <laughs> this is always good strong and silent they say he is he's wonderful yeah he used to cool. be my boss come on okay we'll get into that in a second <laughs> i just wanted to echo on the polyamorous and the polyamorous stretch i did just want to say we've all had sad sex right anybody who's gotten out oh, there a yeah. little bit has had some sad sex sure. and i would have to imagine yeah. When it's uh, when it is sex oh. aimed at fixing a relationship and it's not fixing it, I would imagine there must be a a, fe- yeah. a feeling of loneliness in that in the 
in the bedroom that is uh, insurmountable? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, now being a full-blown grown-up with a real relationship with, you know, good intimacy and passion, you know, I now see that's something that we didn't have. So you got what you were missing now. You hit the jackpot. Yeah. I hit the jackpot. I'm so lucky. But his memory is really bad, so I think that's why he still loves me. So he's like, (laughs) I really hit the jackpot. That's amazing. That's amazing. (laughs) So wait, he's your boss. He forgets everything. I'm like, don't you remember that time that I was like really awful? And he was like, no, nope. So you wake up every day and you're like, I just want to remind you that I'm a pain in the ass. And he's like, I don't know what you're referring (laughs) to. And then you just move on. It's like 50 first dates. Nice. Pretty great. Very nice. (laughs) So wait, he was your boss. Scandalous. Scandalous. Well, he was my boss years ago, and then we reconnected because I needed um, a conference speaker for a job that I'd had at the time when I was going through the divorce. Um, So I was like, I want a speaker from from the type of business that he's in. I almost let I almost let it slip, Chris. Yes. And I noticed, so yes. I contacted him. You know what? What? What'd you say? I said I noticed I that you almost slipped. I almost slipped. So when you reach out for a speaker, so, do you have it in the back of your mind of like, oh, that boss was kind of a hottie? Do you have that in your mind at all? Um, I mean, not really, kind of. I mean, I really, really respected him, mm-hmm. and I knew that he was divorced, but it I was really just reaching out for professional reasons, but I was happy to reconnect. Right. Because I would and imagine then, as someone who's not attracted, job, as someone who's not often attracted to people, I would imagine when someone, when you are attracted to someone, it must stand out and stick in your guts. Yeah. yeah. So I was attracted to him when I worked with him. Right. For sure. So but it stands out. we never crossed any lines at all, ever. Mm-hmm. So um, you reconnect? Like, yeah. So we reconnect, we meet at this restaurant and... Um, the restaurant's closed on Sundays, which is when we were supposed to meet. Um, and we both live in this town. We have a, we live in a really small town. There's one restaurant at the subway at the gas station. Um, that's not really where you met, is it? <laughs> you didn't really go meet. Yeah. So we met, no, not at the subway, not at the subway. It's a little restaurant. Okay. It's like a little greasy spoon, like what a little diner. How small so is we, this town? Yeah. <laughs> it's small. 700 people. Is that true? Yeah. Small. Wow. So everybody knows everybody's business. Let's go ahead and pause here because we got ads. That's how the show lands on your inbox every Tuesday. But here, here's a teaser of how, how did this new love come about? You gotta find that out. We'll find all that out and much more when we come back. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. I know you can't imagine fitting something else into your life, another appointment, another obligation, right? Well, guess what? With Talkspace, therapy is as easy as just sending your therapist a message. You get something off your chest whenever you need to. You talk about everyday challenges at work, at home. You talk about life, whatever you want. You don't have to get in a car and commute anywhere. You don't even have to leave your own office, okay? And nobody's going to judge you. All you need is a computer with an internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app can improve your mental health. I'm a big fan of improving your mental health, putting some energy towards it. We pay so much attention to our physical health, pay attention to your mental health as well, okay? And therapy, it doesn't have to be this thing where you're venting your, your innermost thoughts or, or digging into childhood memories. It can be simple, 
practical, everyday strategies for stress management, living a happier life. Having a therapist, all it does, you ask me, gives you a person in your life who their job is to talk to you. They have to listen. They're trained to listen. And then they help you make some positive changes. The Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life challenges we all face. To match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price, traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Use the code beautiful. You get $45 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's beautiful at Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Thanks again to everybody who sponsors this show. Hope you uh, use those promo codes and uh, help out the show while enriching your lives with their products and services. Now, let's get back to the phone call. Yeah, small. Wow. So everybody knows everybody's business. Yeah, well, he is related to like a million people around here. I'm not. And so I was really used to being anonymous, Chris. Mm -hmm. And no longer. No longer. There are lots of family members around. So I kind of have to watch. And he went to like, he grew up here, so he knows all the people he went to school with and stuff. Anyway. So yeah, so we met at this restaurant, but it was closed on Sundays. And I was like, well, I guess we could meet at my house. It's just down the street. And he knew where I lived because he used to bring his kids trick-or-treating through town. And... We came back here, and I offered him a glass of wine, and he asked where the kids were, and I said I was getting divorced, and they were with their father. And he said, oh, which is not a normal reaction, Chris, when you tell Mm. somebody you're getting divorced. Mm, Yeah, not I'm so sorry, or oh my God, what happened? Yeah, right. To say. How are the kids? How are you? Is everything okay? An eye-opening exclamation. An exclamation that eyes are opening here. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, that was an unusual response. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we talked for four hours about the conference and about life. And then he started texting me, which he had not done in the years since I had worked at the place of business where he also worked. Mm So I was like, this is unusual. And then, uh, while later, he asked me to dinner. At the, at to the, the restaurant. He said it's, it's a, a... different restaurant. A better it's restaurant. A, a Monday, Tuesday, town. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or maybe Saturday. <laughs> shall we try the restaurant again? Oh, it's open during football season okay. on Sundays. Oh, that's okay. And I think actually they have breakfast on Sundays now, but... Mm-hmm. Well, good for the restaurant. It sounds like town. business is good. It sounds like business is good. That's yeah. good. Okay, and then you get together. Now, how do you feel about the fact that you're about to have teenage kids out of nowhere? Oh, well, we moved in together a couple of years ago, so they've been around. But, you know, I try not to be their parent because they were so old when we started dating and getting serious. Um, I just feel like that would have led to a lot of resentment. So I just try to be um, a trusted adult friend. Look at that. sense. You got a real head on your Hello? shoulders. You got a real head on your shoulders. Oh, thanks. Yeah, they're great kids. It's not really hard. They make it easy. Yeah. That's good. So, and they're funny and weird and interesting. Just like all kids. You got a you've walked an interesting path, my friend. I didn't even talk about what I was going to talk about. What were you going to talk about? 
We've got 18 minutes left. Um, Let's sink our teeth into this shit. Oh, we have 18 minutes left. All right. Okay. All right. So um, did you, I don't want to identify, let me figure out how to say this in a way. So um, I am, I have a close female relative who um, was, a is a survivor of the um, abuses at Keough High School. Did you see the keepers? Well, wait the key the, about wait the Baltimore area. Yeah. The with the, with the with the nun who died and the and the crazy priest. Yeah, that was her teacher. Yeah. No way! I I was obsessed with that. Yeah. That's a series on Netflix. Yeah, it is a series on Netflix, and it's fantastic. So just to give yeah. anybody who hasn't seen it background, this is a story about a Catholic school in the greater Baltimore area where uh, one of the nuns who was a teacher there was murdered. And as soon as you start to look into her living situation, you realize, well, that's not how Catholic parishes. They were, she was living in an apartment on her own. That's You're supposed to live in a convent and, and all the other nuns associated with the school did what was going on there. And then it came out that the priest who ran the school for many years was accused of abusing a lot of women. And it was, it was a, a pretty intense but beautiful thing that a number of the graduates of that school, many of whom had, had been abused and, and all of whom I think who were, had heard about it, decided that they were basically going to... Um, become detectives and try to solve this woman's death because they really strongly believe there was a cover-up by uh, that priest and maybe the Catholic Church as a whole. And the series is insane and intense and gripping. Indeed. I agree very much. So someone in your life um, was involved. And it was hard to watch. Yeah, I can imagine yeah. even harder than it was for the rest of us for you. Yeah, well, I mean, this it's going to be hard not to identify the person, but... Um, this person's mother um, told and had they listened it would have saved a lot of people a lot of abuse wow so part of the cover up someone in your family was part was covered up yeah and she the thing was is she was tipped off by another priest like don't let your daughter be alone with this priest, there's something wrong with him. And then she found out that he was pulling her out of class. When she found oh, out he boy. was pulling her out of class for for counseling, she called the school and was like, this will never happen again. This is what's going on. Um, and uh, nothing was done. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Hats off to Abby and Gemma. They're amazing. They're the sleuths the two who have central, been trying to solve. The two central amateur detectives at the core of the Keepers. Oh, my God. Aren't they so great? Yeah, they're badasses. Yeah. They're badass. And also, let's, let's give a little shout-out to Teddy, Gemma's dog. Okay. Okay. Wow. You remember the dog? Can't say I remember the dog. Not gonna. I'm gonna tell you he said that. Okay. Do you know the dog personally? No, I don't know the dog personally. All right, then I don't fear. I don't fear um, retribution. I do not fear your ability to actually put me in the hot seat on this one. 
<laughs> I don't. I don't think that she would be cruel. I don't think there's a cruel bone in Gemma's body, anyway. But yeah, so I am no longer Catholic. Yeah, that'll that'll chase you right away from that church. Yeah. That yeah. Old church. Yeah. So. Um. How about you? What's your What's your Catholicism like these days? I would say very um, evident culturally in the amount of guilt and shame I fear I feel every day, and the way that I constantly think people are mad at me, and the way that I can't do sim- oh, yeah. simple things like if a waiter brings me the wrong order, I'll just eat what they bring me because I feel like they'll be mad at me if I send yeah. the order back. Uh, extraordinarily Irish Catholic in that sense, like I don't wanna, I don't want to bother anybody. People like yeah. people, yeah. Things like that. like yeah, like like for um, like, like that's the life. That's that's Irish Catholic life. That's exactly what it is. It is, and I tell you, like, and again, like, I'm not a fancy guy, and also very Irish Catholic to reject the idea that you could be uh, fancy or should be fancy in any way. But like on my TV show, the TV show's named after me. Yesterday, we started the writers' room up again, and uh, someone had stored a treadmill in my office. I don't. I shouldn't have a tread. It's not a big <laughs> office. And I personally, I was, people witnessed me personally trying to drag it out by myself when this is a, a minimum two-man job. And they were like, let me help. And I was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to put anybody out. Um, I yeah. They were like, we have hired, there are people hired specifically to carry things on, on television show productions. You don't have to carry the treadmill yourself. I'm like, no, I don't want anybody else to have to do it. To do a thing. So, how many injuries have you gotten over the years from that level of guilt? Oh, I mean, a number of physical. And yeah. uh, if we're including emotional scars, then I would say many of them are rooted <laughs> in Irish Catholicism, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Certainly, emotional scars as well. Oh yeah, the things that the things that the things that'll come about about me at my funeral are gonna, yeah, yeah, they're gonna blow people's minds. That's good. Yeah. We're well, gonna tell. I what mean, you, look, I live very publicly, so you can imagine any secrets I'm keeping are, uh, are pretty choice. Pretty <laughs> choice. I, I mean, I, my whole career is uh, public appearances and talking to people an hour at a time on the phone. You can imagine the secrets that are going to come out are juicy. Are juicy indeed. No, I don't have many juicy secrets. Yeah, I should read more tabloid articles about you. There's, it's nothing, there's nothing very... Tabloid articles about me would be, you know, oh, this guy <laughs> lives, in, uh, lives in Queens. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. I meant to tell you, I really love listening to your music before the show started. I love listening to Hiccup. Look at that. Smith and right. Billy Bragg. I'm missing someone. Levinson, right? Stevenson. Laura Stevenson. Laura Stevenson. Stevenson. Yeah, I wrote it down so that I would remember. Now... Some a prior a previous caller told me okay Laura wrote me and was like I heard a caller on your show said that there was a marriage pact where I was supposed to marry her which episode was it and I was like I I'm so sorry there's been 100 of these I can't recall off the top of my head so if anybody remembers which episode Laura wants to listen to the one where somebody talked about wanting to marry her so let me know here's the thing I noticed about you my friend is that you're someone who says that you don't um rea- react um, to visual, how would you phrase it? Like your sexuality is not rooted in, you know, maybe like uh, visual cues or, or, or lustfulness in that yeah. traditional sense. And yet, yeah. I, and yet I notice about you the that- lust follows. Well, yes, but it's, it's something that you have to maybe unlock a little bit more than, than uh, the traditional. 
And yeah. yet, many of your defining life experiences have been defined by sexuality, sexual choices. You know, I never really thought of it that way. Look at this. Your ex-husband's efforts towards polyamorism, your father coming out of the closet, a relative who was yeah. abused. Sexuality has played a major role in your life. Yeah, I mean, I think they have. Sometimes I kind of feel like I'm uh, like this really normal, everyday person who's like living in a soap opera. Mm. Like somehow I stumbled into it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes things seem like really weird around me, even though I feel pretty okay. Yeah. I don't know. You landed on your feet somehow. Yeah. Now, when you have yeah, a second I mean, wedding, do you invite everybody who went to the first one, or do you cut some people off the list? <laughs> well, I didn't invite my ex-husband's family, if right. that's what you're asking. I'm speaking more about your friends, because I, <laughs> I know my only wedding. I'm, I'm at one, and I think it'll stay at one. Um, I, I feel very good Let's about it. So. Yeah, I feel great about it. My wife is incredible. But I know there was a thing where I, you know, you're looking at the list, and you're like, I think I'm not going to invite this person I think I don't, I think I'm not friends with this person anymore. I'm not inviting them. Do you have to do that a second round where you go, I'm, I'm now down, this person was wedding quality a few years ago and is now no longer wedding, a wedding level friend? Yeah. Yeah, it was wow. kind of sucky. Well, I mean, it's a smaller, smaller crowd anyway. Yeah. But, you know, having an Irish Catholic family, you know, it's a lot of people. Indeed. Right off the bat, like Indeed. just by default. And I'm not cutting out family. I'm not causing any more family drama than they already have. Right. Um, my fiance's trying to close my car door, like, gently so that you don't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to couples counseling or um, premarital counseling right now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So uh, we invited, we basically did one of those things where we were like, let's invite people who are family. So it includes family. I'm sorry for all the noise. It includes okay. um you know, family and family-like friends. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we were going to um, have a holiday, these people might come over for a, a holiday meal. For sure, example. sure. Holiday inclusion level. Yes, holiday inclusion level. Exactly. And the do the people who got you presents before are they getting you presents again? Um, we said, well, first we were going to say no presents, but then we said presents optional because people get kind of mad about no presents. It's true, isn't it? And you, true. Know what, you know what I found in my it wedding? You know what I found at my wedding was that especially for people of a generation prior to mine, my, my, my parents, friends, and older, not only are presents, they're like, no, we're getting you presents. They don't like yeah. registries and they don't like donations. Like we did one of the... Uh, Things where you can like donate some money towards our honeymoon activities, and the young people love oh, yeah, that. Those are cool. Young people love that. Let me just yeah. go on a website, send you some cash. You use it like you want. Great. Other people are like, no, we're getting you a thing. I'm handing it to you. I'm leaving it on a table. That's how weddings work. Yeah. Getting you some crystal. I'm- it's a wedding. <laughs> you must have crystal. Or you're not a real married couple. Somebody gave us crystal. And, and it was lovely. And if that person's listening, thank you for it. But I tell you, I'm, now I'm just so anxious about I'm going to break the crystal. Now I got this valuable thing in my life. I don't quite know what crystal's for. I don't. What know. kind of like what kind of object is it? It was, a gla- it was a, two glasses. It was two crystal glasses. 
So you I guess I drink them. You should drink out of them. I'm well. I'm gonna sit here and drink my uh, my soda, my fancy sodas out of crystal. <laughs> Yes, you should. You should absolutely drink your fancy you, sodas out of crystal. You said you were Irish Catholic. I would sit there feeling like, well, I think, what am I thinking? I think I'm better than everybody now. No, it's that drinking you are making use of a gift that somebody gave you and wants you to enjoy. And so you should feel, you're, you should turn your guilt into a, a, a sense of obligation to this person. Maybe I'll drink. I got a salted caramel oh, Pepsi in my it. fridge. Maybe I'll drink it out of the crystal. That's what I, I also know. I think, I think for the prior generation, I think for a prior generation, having some crystal and the good silver was like a really big deal. The good silver and the good oh, yeah. china. I don't yeah. think my generation cares as much about that stuff. That was like, you're building a home now. You got your good silver. Yeah. I mean, we're in the same generation-ish. Mm-hmm. I'm in that like in between generation that doesn't really exist. Yeah, I'm in that one. I'm an exennial myself. Yes, yes. I'm an exennial. Yeah. Exennial. Although I did like the article that called it Generation Catalano. Oh, I haven't read ago. that one. After Jordan Catalano of my so-called life. Yes, exactly. It's See, a good piece. got the reference because that's an exact show that an exennial locked onto when I think the Generation X was a little too <laughs> old and the millennials were a little too young. That's our show. We're exennials. That's our show, it is. Here's another we way are. I define exennials. When, when I read that, I was like, yeah, that's me. Because here's the thing. Um, generation, like, like we are also people who probably uh, used the internet prior to the World Wide Web, but became most acquainted to it by being the first generation to really lock into the World Wide Web. Like, we were on BBS systems and AOL and CompuServe and Prodigy, <laughs> but we weren't overwhelmed yeah, and right. confused by the existence of the World Wide Web. Oh, yeah. I just remember, like, these weird chat room kind of things that you could oh, go into. I got myself in so much weird trouble in internet chat rooms in the pre-World Wide Web era. <laughs> Holy shit. The things that went on on the internet before the web. You think the web's bad now. I'm sure my mom thought I was doing homework. I was like, oh, I'm just <laughs> typing with these other idiots online. Well, there was, there was an era where you had to hook your phone into your computer and dial into just some <laughs> other random lunatic's computer who was a yes. weirdo weird enough to set up his computer that you could go download files from it. Those were bad people with like those were like, and that's what I did. <laughs> oh, the BBS era is a quiet. Oh. The, the things I saw, the things I saw, many <laughs> pornographic games you could play on those. Did you? Were you, did you ever run into those? Oh no, I didn't see those. And actually, it was just a bunch of local teenagers. I think it, on ours, like, oh, yeah, a lot of local teens yeah. calling into the same computers, talking smack about other local yeah. teens. Yeah, it was usually like a. a trail of people writing LOL, which Mm -hmm. for years I thought that meant lagging online because it would just clog everything up and take forever because you were on dial-up. Because you were on a 2600K. And then, yeah, I didn't know that it was laugh out loud, but now I do. Yeah, we've caught up. Yeah, we've caught Caught up up to the lingo. So are people going to give you like another crock pot? And you're like, oh, I already have a crock pot. I use it once every two years. Um, well, being, um, a mom, I use my crock pot sometimes. Ah, um, I used to use it more, but now I work from home. So I like very, I use it like when I have to do like a kid friendly event where we have to bring a potluck or whatever. Oh, so that's how you're um, able to sit on a phone with me for an hour at nine in the morning. You work from home. Oh, well actually I'm off today cause I'm going to the surgeon. Right. That we're going sense. to, um, counseling and then we're going to the surgeon so i took off because i was like there's no way i can handle work today and yeah. all of this so i was like i'll call chris gethard see if i can get through and i did you nailed it 
And I dragged some stuff out of you that you never thought the world would know. Yeah. Because I'm so good I'll at my job. I'll never tell anybody that I was on here. <laughs> I'm good at my job. Yeah, I'd, I'd... You are good at your job. Hold this one close to the vest. Keep it close to the vest as far as telling people. Yeah. So for gift, we did... Um, what we said was, you please, these are optional. And um, if you really want to get get us a gift, we would love a copy of an essay that you love or a poem that you love or oh. the rules to a game that you enjoy. Oh. Um, pictures of your spouse being funny or your dog being cute would be great, like things that we can frame or we can press in a book. And then um, we did a normal registry. We just put it on Amazon so everybody could just look at it and see. And mm-hmm. then we did um, like our favorite charities. That's nice. So people have... A whole bunch of options. Yes. And people of different generations and interests can still prescribe to um, wedding traditions as much as they choose. Exactly. So we went, the, we went the safe, let's not offend anyone, Irish Catholic group. Yes. Well done. You covered all your bases. Now, is eating Thank oysters you. with a bad gallbladder a good idea? And I Crohn's okay. disease. And this is why. Oysters and, and Crohn's, Crohn's disease, disease sound like they don't mix. Um, well, my Crohn's is probably not affected. It's not affected by food as much as stress. Some other people, mine is usually affected by stress. Yes. Raising twins as a single mom must not be good for Crohn's disease. Um, probably not. Going through a divorce was really bad for Crohn's disease. That's, yeah. that's not, my body didn't like that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. That's not good. Um, but now, you know, it's pretty good. Uh, the gallbladder, uh, you want to avoid fat. Mm-hmm. So the wedding cake is probably not going to be great, but the oysters will probably be okay. Now we got 30 seconds left. How do you want this thing to end? We got to stick the landing oh, on Chris, this one. I love your show. Um, I love that you advocate for good therapy. And I think that what you do is just um, lovely and wonderful in the world. And thanks for spreading beauty and joy. Thank you. I'm lucky I get to do it. Congrats on the wedding. Congrats on finding such a good partner. Good luck to you both. Raising your kids in your wonderful new uh, permanent family. Oh, thank you so much. Caller, thank you for calling. Good luck with the wedding. I mean, it's happened already. I hope it went great. I hope the oysters were everything you dreamed of. And I hope the surgery went well. Oh, nice. You're still here. You didn't forget. I promised you extra content, and Gethard provides. I don't make promises about extra content that I can't keep. Ron Paul's baby. Just a reminder, this was our first ever caller. It's a frustrated man working at Bank Tech, screaming into the void, trying to change his life. Second call, a year later, not much had changed. Let's go ahead and see. We got a little mini call from Ron Paul's baby, our old friend, and I was so psyched to talk to him again, and the crowd at the Bell House was hot. Happy to hear from him, and uh, I tell you, killed it. Killed it this year. Check in with our old friend, Ron Paul's baby. Ron Paul's baby, are you are you on the line? Hello, New York. Oh, what's that? So Ron Paul's... Right, how's the crowd? How's the crowd, Gethard? I tell you, we got a hot crowd tonight, Ron Paul's baby. We got a okay. hot crowd tonight, me and you. How you feeling? Uh, I'm pretty good. A little sick. I'm kind of tired. A little sick, kind of tired. Perfect. Perfect. I'm getting, 
a little bit of an echo, like uh, Lou Gehrig's speech. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's grim. Do you... Are you... Is, is that due to the technology setup here that I'm on stage and there's speakers? Or are you having like a medical emergency? Yeah, no, no. It's the speakers. Yes. Yeah. I apologize for that. You can hear the speakers going back into the microphone is what's going on. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. It seems to be clearing up. Can uh, everybody stand up and put their hands over their hearts? You got to do what the guy says. You got to do what the guy says. Uh, Ron Paul's baby, you now have close to 400 people in Brooklyn standing up with their hands over their hearts. And I have to say, all these liberal Northeastern heathens are very concerned with where this is going. <laughs> okay, can everybody repeat after me now? They're nervous, man. My soul is, my soul is not a timid spirit. Only time can die. Only time can die. You've all been initiated now. You're what I'm calling Ron Paul's baby's babies. Wow. Are they allowed to sit down? Uh, No, now everybody's going to need to file out out of the building. I can't allow that to happen. I'm sorry. Chris, Chris flew me out to New York. He chartered enough buses. We're all going out for milk and cookies. <laughs> you are nailing it, my dude. You are nailing it right now. I want to be clear. That's not true. I have bought you people nothing. I have, <laughs> I have rented no buses and purged you nothing. Everyone's sitting down, uh, killing it. Having fun. Now, Ron Paul's baby, when we checked in uh, a year after your first call, from what I remember, you had changed some things in your life. You seemed to have a lot of the weight was off your shoulders. Um, you hadn't made any of the major changes that you were seeking in the, in the first one, though, outside of the job, right? You left bank tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I guess my big question is now, have you, have you done the open mic yet? No, I haven't. I've been hanging out with some people doing open mic. You son of a bitch. How many years in a row are you going to break <laughs> our goddamn hearts? A wizard is neither late nor early, Chris. Just <laughs> things exactly what he intends. You sound like you're in good spirits, man. Yeah, I'm doing well. That's good. Yeah, what's new? Give us the update. Give us the bullet points. All right. Well, I wanted to let's recap. This is going to seem like a sad story, but I think it's got a good punchline from now. I've listened to the first episode I did, but I never listened back to the second one. I remember at the time I was doing better, but I was very sad. Okay. I think that came across, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. At the time, this is what had happened. Uh, my mom had been uh, living with my grandma for a while, and my mom had been like, psychotic and violent, and she attacked my grandma. Oh, no. And my grandma punched her right in the face and knocked out her teeth, and then she like ran away and disappeared. <laughs> so I was kind of broken up about that. But yeah. when I talked to my grandma about it, 
because my mom had been a drug addict. My grandma had spent a lot of money getting her teeth repaired, you know, from drugs. Mm -hmm. So when I talked to my grandma about it, she had told me that the thing she was most upset about, she said, like, I, I paid for those teeth and then I knocked them out. Wow. And, and just so I'm clear, your grandma knocked your mom's teeth out. Yeah, yeah. That is a question yeah, I never fine. thought I'd ask. And is, has everything calmed down a little bit since then? Yeah, everything's calmed down. That's great. That's great. Um, but and, that had been something that was weighing on me at the time, but I think it's a decent story, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad... I'm glad you're, you got a good sense of humor about it, and uh, and uh, and your grandma is making some cracks as well about it. That's awfully nice. Now, Ron, yeah, and, uh, oh yeah, go for it. Oh well, I thought because uh, I mentioned my grandparents, but I didn't really talk about them, and I feel like that's one story that helps kind of summarize who I was raised by to be who I became. Yeah. So I wanted to give a few details about my grandparents. Well, that's a pretty good grandma story. My grandpa, he's the one who named me. I was named after a cowboy. Wow. Uh, he taught me to shoot with a six-shooter, like, out in the field when I was pretty young, without ear protection. And my ears rang for, like, weeks. And then he, his only excuse was that cowboys didn't wear headphones. <laughs> all right he was also he was cherokee and he was in the navy and he had a lot of tattoos the best of which were over each nipple one said sweet and one said sour Okay, okay. So, I just wanted to give those details. I think that's awesome. I think people are psyched you did. Now, I have a question for you before we go. Um, you know, we have it, we have it set up uh, here where people can tweet thoughts and questions at me to make it a little interactive. And someone just put a very interesting thought out there. I'm not going to put pressure on you, but someone uh, named, okay. someone named uh, James asks... Can Ron Paul's baby just do his tight five? Do you want to use the bell house crowd tonight? I think I just did. <laughs> yeah, I think you. I think you just did as well. <laughs> I think you just did as well. You did. I think if I'm workshopping, that material is probably something to go with. Oh, so is that stuff that you have? Con- Are you still thinking about doing the open mic? Is it still a thought, or have you gotten to a place in your life where? Oh it's- yeah, no, and I've definitely. Because open mics in Denton have been, that scene's kind of been opening up here when it used to just be Dallas. Yeah. And as you may have experienced, uh, Denton is a little more of a bizarre place than downtown Dallas is. Yeah, it is. So I feel like the types of things I'm interested in doing will go over uh, better here. But what I think I am less interested in stand-up and more interested in what would probably be considered some sort of off-putting uh, 
performance art. Uh huh. Well, I mean, a bellhouse crowd has to, no problem with that. I talked to uh, some of my friends recently about things I was planning on trying to do at open mics and asked if anybody in Denton was doing things like that. And the response I got was that the only person they could think of was Gigi Allen. All right. So you're going to go put on some Gigi Allen-esque material. I think that's a great idea. And I'm going to make you this promise as we wrap up, my friend. We've now done three calls, three check-ins, and you say you still want to do the open mic every time. I will not stop doing this podcast until you do an open mic. I will not. I will not. We have to give these people what they're asking for, which is that an anonymous man in Denton, Texas, does the open mic already. Yeah, I mean, I could have just lied the first time and said I did. You could have. You could have lied so many times to get me off your back. Save, save me some grief. <laughs> well, that's awfully true, isn't it? I, I can finally but, stop bothering uh, you. But I, I'm confident I'll get it done at this point. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm living like a coward. No, I don't think so. And I'll tell you this. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast. When I did a live show in Denton... I met you, and you didn't come off like a coward at all. You came off like a real nice guy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah you seemed in a, in a bad place that night. <laughs> you were exhausted. I want to thank you so much for checking back in with us. You're the best. <laughs> you are the foundation that built this show, and I will uh, always appreciate that. Thank you so much for talking to us tonight, my friend. All right. I love y'all. Can we, can we end with something? Yeah, whatever you want. Okay. Well, I know we've done a lot of screaming. That's been the traditional way to end a call, and I see that you've done uh, some Billy Bragg sing-alongs and things. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, uh, and I know your band is the Smiths. That kind of seems to define your youth and... Uh-huh. Uh, how you felt about things? Where are we going with this? <laughs> well, I don't know. If we do a song, are there copyright issues? I don't care. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I also think my youth was defined by a band that also has a, a troublesome front man. So I'd like to start singing uh, this song... And when you know it, uh, you can chime in, then we can scream the chorus. Okay, okay. Everybody's waiting to see. <laughs> the world is a vampire. Sit to drain. Secret destroyer. Hold you up to the flame. And what do I get for my pain? Betrayed desires and a sense of shame. Even though I know, I suppose I'll show all my cool and go like a job. Despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in a cage. 
fight all my rage. I am still just a red in a cage. And someone will say what is lost and never be saved. Despite all my rage, I am still just a red in a cage. Thank you, Ron Paul's baby, for the call, for the openness, for the career, for the career boost that you personally handed me. I personally thank you. I think all of our listeners thank you for uh, always being so open and honest and charming and fun. Funny. Talk to you next year. The callers, listeners, talk to you next week. Keep your eye on the Twitter, on the Instagram. I'll plug the phone number. I'll see you soon. Thank you to Jared O'Connell and Harry Nelson in the booth. Thank you to the Reverend John Delore Gretico who helped build this show in the early days. Thank you, Shell Shag, for all the great music. Want to know more about me? ChrisGeth.com is the website. Go there, touring dates, all that stuff's up there. You like Beautiful Anonymous, you can really help if you go to Apple Podcasts and you rate, review, subscribe. That helps so much more than you know. Hari Kondabolu and his brother, Ashok. They got a new podcast here on Earwolf. It's called Kondabolu Brothers. You can check out the first episode in your podcast app right now. And you might know Hari from his stand-up. I've known him forever. Very good guy. Very smart guy. Very compassionate guy. Empathetic, thoughtful man. I have a feeling listeners of uh, my show might enjoy him. Probably know him from his stand-up and his TV. Also, he's got another show on Earwolf called Politically Reactive. And Ashok's a performer. Member of the rap group Das Racist. And then the coolest thing in town, baby. Cool guy. Cool guys. Cool brothers. They got a new show. It's taped at comedy clubs around the country from Brooklyn to Hawaii. You can witness two brothers occasionally acknowledge their live audience. Find out why World War I is overrated. Learn why pizza should not be your favorite food. It's fun. Subscribe to Contabolu Brothers now at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.